0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl, aka Janine Luby. Uh, And I think we're, I'm recording this in March, but this is going to air in early April, which is a great month. April showers, bring May flowers, but April is also National Humor Month. uh, And I'm so excited to, you know, talk more about that in future episodes, especially with Gab Bonesso, who will be coming to Scranton in May for uh, talks for the community about how she lives with bipolar disorder and uses humor. And May 5th, we have a comedy fundraiser that she'll be headlining and I'll be performing with her. And it's just super exciting because we've gotten to know each other through podcasting and Zoom, and I've never met her in person. And she is going to be talking about serious issues, but using humor, which I am all about. But today, what I want to focus on is my guest of today. And I know for those of you who listen on a regular basis, you're like, oh, here she goes again. How does she know people? But I just think it's so important that we're open to meeting people and just kind of getting to know them and listening, even if we don't think that there's, oh, I don't think I'm like this person, or I don't know if I'll ever work with them again. I'll probably never see them, but you never know. That's why I think it's so important to save business cards. Remember people, be kind, of course, and you never know how you're going to see one another or talk to one another again. You might be able to help refer one another to a job. Or in this case, have someone on for the podcast that they could share their story with that I think is really interesting. So my guest today is Melissa, and I hope I say the last name right. Well, her, I knew her as Melissa Sanko. Melissa Sanko, hey ho, and she can <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Um, Mel- Okay. I'm good. Okay. Melissa and I met a couple of years ago. She was working at, now it was known then as the medical college. And I still refer to it as the medical college, but it has been since purchased or Whatever word we want to use, the big bucks came out from Geisinger. So it's basically Geisinger Commonwealth School of Medicine, I think is the correct name. I have been doing standardized patient work, is what they call it, since I left my day job back in 2010, a long time. Uh, So basically, I could tell people I've had everything from ectopic pregnancy, uh, gallbladder issues, uterine fibroids, kidney stones, you name it. And thankfully, I haven't really had them, but I've had the fun of portraying them so that young. Uh, I shouldn't say young, but students, medical students can learn. And I think it's such a valuable, excellent program because they get to interact with real people instead of like simulations, like, you know, robots or just pretend in class. They get to use standardized patients so that they learn how to talk to people, real people, how to diagnose, how to do physical exams. So I started there in 2010 because it's great work for someone who wants to supplement an income. I had left my day job and I was going to launch my business. And it was a great thing because it was per diem. You get a message and email, Hey, are you available these dates? And you go in, you do work and you get paid. And Melissa at the time was like the, uh, administrative coordinator. We'll call her. I know that's not the right name, but Melissa was doing the scheduling and she was the smiling face that we got to see at the desk and talk to and communicate with. And since then I haven't seen her in years because Melissa has found the love of her life and moved and created a life in Canada. And you might recall a few weeks ago, Paula uh, uh, McCary from happenings was on. And we spoke briefly about that because she has a lot of family in Canada and she is related to Melissa. And she's the one that gave me the great idea to talk to Melissa. So after that giant intro, welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. Looking forward
0: to it now. Hey, ho, right. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I've, I've, you're going to probably be like, Oh gosh, she didn't tell me she was going to ask me this, but it <laughs> popped in my head before. And I can't, mm-hmm. one of the things I used to tease Melissa about is that she used to have a dollhouse, right? You did like <laughs> as a hobby dollhouse. Yeah. <laughs> now you have a child, you have a little girl, I believe. So yes. do you do, like dollhouse stuff with her now?
1: So we have the dollhouse here in Canada. It immigrated with me. Um, So I did have to put that on my list of goods to follow when I did move here as a valuable item. Um, So it is in her bedroom now and she is a little too young for it, but she definitely has put her hands on it a bit. And um, I think that dollhouse has led me to a little bit of um, hobby slash opportunities with housing and just decorating my house and, you know, making me um, more aware of the things I could do in my house and and be excited about it (laughs) with decorating.
0: I've never thought of it that way. And again, this is another thing, not only about being open to meeting people, but being open to hear and really try to understand, because I used to tease you and I wasn't trying to be (laughs) a jerk about it, but it was like, oh, wow, like you really got into it. And I never thought of it that way. That's like a miniature home. So really you're, you're designing just on a smaller scale
1: yeah so like people did make fun of me and i did um bring in some people my age to help me out with it and they thought it was quite odd but um at one point i did need my childhood neighbor to get involved because he is a structural engineer and i was having a bit of a hard time putting it together there was like like one thousand pieces um so once i structurally put it together then all the fun came about of decorating it and just using color and not so much just going to the craft store and buying the stuff for it but actually making it oh, wow. so it's funny that this comes up because um my dad spoke at my wedding and he he brought the dollhouse up and I also brought the dollhouse up and neither of us heard our speeches before the actual day of the wedding so the dollhouse does come up in a lot of and a lot of uh conversations but I think it's worked in my favor.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, I, and I want to apologize, (laughs) Melissa, if
1: I ever made
0: you feel uncomfortable. I I just didn't understand. I needed to be uh, more knowledgeable about the topic. And of course, I love to bust and tease people, but I I had to ask you about that.
1: (laughs) I think it all came about is that I've always been just like a very crafty and creative person. And I'm not the type to just like make a craft and you know at the time I was living with my parents like give it to my mom and expect her to be happy as a decoration in their home or you know sometimes sometimes crafting is like a little bit of you do it and you have to throw it out and this was a very long-term project that actually went on for a couple of years and took over my parents house um but it was like a hobby a craft a way to be creative but also it's been 15 years, and now my daughter has it, so. (laughs) well, that's,
0: so she's going to have, like, you could tell her about it when she gets older, obviously, and have those (laughs) memories. And you could show her if she wants to get into it, which is very cool. Yeah. So, okay, so so I I had, I'm sorry, go ahead, Melissa.
1: so, So some of it is still not finished. Like, it's a forever kind of thing that you could build on. So she definitely has the opportunity when she's, you know, really good at gross motor skills and crafting. She could build upon it.
0: Well, and she could always, as she gets older, she could envision like a side (laughs) home for mom and dad, you know, all all of those extras, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Okay. So that was a hobby, but I want to ask, I really, and I know it's funny before I hit the record button, you're like, well, it is different here, but it's also similar. So let's, uh, just to back up and tell people when I knew you at the medical college, you were just dating, I think at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, who is your now husband. So, uh, tell me a little bit first, like how you guys met and then how has been, I really want to get into the transition of living in another country and all of the things that come along with that.
1: Sure. Um, So I guess, let me think how, so you mentioned Paula. So Paula McCary was um, my boss at Happenings Magazine for a couple of years before I got my master's degree and decided to do a different career, which led me to the medical school. So um, many years ago, I don't even remember the year at this point, I was interning at Happenings and also my co-intern Elizabeth was um, interning there as well and we connected um, a little bit more than the other interns because we were both going to the University of Scranton at the time. So we knew once our internship would be over like we would still continue to see each other on campus and meet up and kind of we, we just had a lot of like interests that were the same professionally. Um, so I kept in touch with her for quite a while and I continued to start. Uh, working at Happenings after I graduated college. So um, Elizabeth is kind of brilliant at just like bringing people together. And I was invited to her bridal shower. Um, so I attended and I only knew a couple of people. It was more of relatives and people from out of town. Um, so I attended that. And I, at the time was living in an apartment in Greenridge, And I remember a couple weeks later going down to my mailbox getting a thank you note from her and reading it. And then on the back, seeing like a little asterisk saying, sorry, I didn't give you a plus one. I already have a date for you in mind. What do you think of handsome, successful Canadian farmers? And I was just like, oh gosh, Elizabeth, this is probably the sixth person she's tried to set me up with in like a year and a half. No way. Like I just ignore it all. (laughs) And I so wish that I kept that because I keep sentimental things and I remember throwing the thank you note away and wishing that I kept it because a month or two later I attended her wedding Um, the ceremony was in Scranton and then um, up to the Scranton Country Club and I get to the wedding and I sit down and I was the only girl at a table of eight At the singles table (laughs) um at that point i had no clue who she was referring to but when my husband um he flipped his tie over his shoulder and looked at the green beans on the plate and said these are fresh off the farm i knew who the farmer was (laughs) so um that was going to be eight years coming up and ever since we've been together and we got married and I moved to Canada and we have a daughter and we just make life work the best that we could, given everything that we deal with.
0: <laughs> so she really was so do you think she it was a case of she really knew you well enough and him that she thought, wow, they really will work together? Or do you think it was like she is setting you up it was bound to happen work out one of those times?
1: <laughs> no. I don't think it was a matter of compatibility. I think she was just hoping that eventually one of her brilliant ideas would actually be the one. (laughs) I think she likes to use the term shipping people, like, relationshiping them. So, like, we're not the first that she has brought together. There's a lot. So (laughs) she's been successful at it. Well, that's
0: good. And and you met yeah. your husband. So that's wonderful. Yes. So that was what you said yeah. almost coming up on eight years ago. So, yeah. mm-hmm. but in the beginning though, you, yeah. so you were still living here in the United mm-hmm. States and he was living in Canada. Cause I do remember yeah. when you still worked at the college, I'd say to you, you know, you'd be like, Oh, I'm going to Canada this weekend. And I thought it was so interesting. <laughs> Cause it's like, you're dating, but you have to travel to Canada. What was that like yeah. for you? Like going back and forth. And I'm sure he came here too. <laughs>
1: yeah so we would get together every two or three weeks so it it wasn't like anything other it wasn't you know we saw each other often and it was very capable i think there's just the thought in people's heads that because there's a border it's so far so we could easily get together within a day like like a day trip not we would definitely make it longer, but you could get to that place within, it was six hours at the time. Now with our daughter in the car, it's approaching eight or nine. So um, I think it's just funny that I think used to think that myself and many people think it, but it's really not that far to get to Niagara Falls. We're beyond that, but I think it is comical that people drive every year to Ocean City, Maryland but I've never been to Canada and it's the same distance. So it's just a mindset. My parents' neighbors, they see me come driving down the street once a month to see my parents and often like laugh. Oh, they're such a bad son or daughter. They never see their parent and I drive all the time down. And then it's also funny because one of their sons lives in Texas and they think it's so far that I do this but they only see their parent their child once a year because of the plane <laughs> ride to texas within the same country so i think it's just really just a mindset
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and and that's true for so many different things in life and how people think they just don't, if they don't know and they don't understand and don't take the time to learn, you just don't think that way. But mm-hmm. the, and I, I, understand that. I see that I've been to, uh, I was fortunate to go to Quebec when I was in high school and I've been to Niagara Falls, but I've, I still haven't been to, oh, and I was actually there. My friend years ago did the Ironman in Montremblant and we got to go there and that was pretty cool, but I would still like to get to, uh, I haven't been to Montreal or Toronto, um, so where are you at geographically? at like uh, to places that people might recognize.
1: Um, so we're just on the shore of Lake Erie. I'm about not even a mile from Lake Erie right now where I'm sitting. Um, the kind of the way I break it down is if I'm talking to someone in the U.S., I say, oh, I'm from Canada. And then if someone from Canada, I say I'm from Ontario. And then I break it down closer to London, Ontario. Then I break it down even further, St. Thomas, Ontario. And if someone knows St. Thomas, then I usually just say, we're five minutes from Port Stanley in the town of Union. So if you were to look up on a map, I would say we're about two hours north of Scranton and five hours west. So it's pretty easy of a drive, um, uh, 81 north to Syracuse. And then west, I have on um, a toll road called 90 in, all the way across new york and then i cross in kind of around niagara falls and we have about an hour and a half to two hours from there okay so i would say like you know if you look at a map about two hours from toronto
0: oh okay all right cool <laughs> and so, so you're right about your point you're absolutely right that like there are many farther places here within our the united states <laughs> but i think sometimes what the barrier and i'm thinking to myself what i would Thankfully, obviously, we have good relations with Canada, but I guess it's that question of, you know, getting across the border and, you know, just that security, so to speak, that you have to go back and forth. Was there ever a time, and of course, as I was prepping, I don't prepare too many things, but just things I want to make sure I ask you. Was there ever a particularly funny or scary time crossing the border where, like, they had to, like, look in your car or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So over the years, um, I've learned that they keep quite a bit of records. They know just about everything about you down to uh, where your paycheck comes from, who's licensed to drive your car, who's insured on your car, those types of things. So in the beginning, it was a little bit more difficult with questioning just more lengthy times at the border, questioning why I was there. I was 25 at the time. Uh, My 25-year-old single person uh, who's never been to Canada by herself, I was with family, was traveling to see a boyfriend. That could sound quite odd to a border agent. Um, So after a bit of time, years and years, um, it's gotten very easy and there's barely any questioning. But there have been complicated times, especially prior to me getting my official residency and my citizenship where... We have been pulled in, and I would have to sit at the, um, the border services and get questioned. And a lot of times we would be questioned separately to make sure that we were answering the same way and the same um, answer, that we were truthful. Um, so for sure, I had a lot of guidance. Um, prior to becoming a resident, I did uh, use a service that helps me with that paperwork. It was quite extensive. I think by the time I finished that paperwork, it was a year. And I think I signed my name 40 different times in that official document. So um, there are times that I wish I went to law school because there are so much fine print in the process that I went through. But the best advice was to be honest and um, just be the most ideal citizen. Uh, So even during that time period of me traveling back and forth. um, Before like we were even engaged or married was challenging. Um, But then the year that I was trying to become a resident, but I was married to my husband. I was just an official visitor where I had um, a very specific paper stapled into my passport. And at that time, it was very crucial that I followed every rule and that. Uh, Anything I would say to a border agent that I lived up to. So at one point, I just nonchalantly said, Oh, I'd come back to the States every month. Well, that was typed out, printed, stapled, and stamped into my passport. So I had to make sure that I lived up to that and I crossed the border at least once every month up until I got that official residency. And um, yeah, at the time, the lawyer that I had. Hired to help me with the paperwork, kind of jokingly but also very seriously threatened. Don't even jaywalk. So, (laughs) just follow every single bit of rules. And even if you get a speeding ticket, call her up and let her know, um, so that I could just move forward with becoming a resident and eventually a citizen. Much much more easy. (laughs) So, are you a citizen of Canada now? Yep. And how long did I'm sorry? Go ahead. So first, um, I was here on a visitor's basis. Uh, Once I fulfilled that paperwork, then I um, got accepted into a lottery. And that was based off of a point system. So when I did the paperwork to become a resident, I had to get a health examination. I had to get an x-ray of my lungs to make sure I didn't have tuberculosis. Um, I came here as something called like a federal worker because of my education and work experience. I had overseen, you know, supervised some people in my past, and I had a master's degree that brought me a bigger score um, in my lottery system. Then I also had to go twice. Once was to like a community center in Toronto, and another time was at a YMCA in London, London, Ontario. Um, And I had to take an English comprehensive exam. So that was listening, comprehension, writing, and speaking. Um, So I had to take those exams and see where I scored um, in terms of being able to communicate with people here. And that score. So all of these different things that I had to do created a number. And the higher the number was, the the more often that number would come up in a lottery system. So after a year of running around, I just compare it to, I was basically at the DMV like once a week. It really wasn't the DMV, but like, hope that you got the hours right, hope that you got the location right, wait in line only to go up to the till or whatever they, they call them tills here, <laughs> like the counter and maybe not have all of the paperwork only to get turned away and have to go home and do it again. So it was like a year worth of that type of paperwork. So once I did get that final score, I was very fortunate that within a week, my number was picked. So then my number got picked and I was able to submit all of my stuff for review. And then about, um, I wanna say three or four months later, I did get my residency. So that was from April of one year to like July of another, where I had to actually leave Canada and then come back through with all of that paperwork and I was then a landed immigrant. And at that time I had to um, prove finances that I would be able to live here um, and like uh, be able to bring all of my items, um, just that it was a competent individual coming to their country, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that was that was about a year and a half process And then after that, I was able to start applying to become a resident about three years after that. So in total, I've been here for just over five and a half years. And in November, I did become a citizen. So now I'm a dual citizen. The citizenship was a lot easier. There was a lot less steps and paperwork because it was already previously done and submit to the government and they had it on record. So I didn't have to pull transcripts from my university or get my medical <laughs> immunization records from my pediatrician. The things that I had to do was just a lot of record keeping. So once I already had that, it was quite easy to do the citizenship. And um, really the most difficult, which was not even difficult at all, was taking a, uh, an exam on the country's history and government system.
0: Oh, wow, okay. So, uh,
1: <laughs> and do they give you the information about that, uh, about Canada, or do
0: you mm-hmm. have to kind of do your own research?
1: Um, there's like some resources online at local libraries. Um, and you just, they kind of put a disclaimer that it's not the exact exam, but a general understanding of the knowledge that you need to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And when you, so when you got there, cause I know, I think I remember you saying like for you to be able to work and actually earn money, that takes a little bit, like that's a little bit of a process too, right?
1: Yeah. So I wasn't able to work for just about a year um, during that process that I was explaining of getting all of my records together and submitting them. I was just um, a visitor at the time, like um, not so much a visa, but kind of along the same lines of that. And then once I did become a citizen, I was able to work.
0: Okay. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I know, I don't know, I think I had heard like through the grapevine, were you doing some
1: standardized patient work or something? Over yeah. There? <laughs> yeah. So um, I do feel that like I went through so much. And the last thing I wanted to do was restart a career. So I wanted that to be as familiar as possible to me so after doing a bit of research I learned that just about maybe 40 minutes away from my home there are some really good universities and colleges here so the one thing that's different is there is a a definite distinction in the term university and college where we use interchangeably um, in the U.S. So when I'm here, I have to say, oh, like I'm going to the, you uni- I went to university or, oh, I'm going to the college because that is not, the, some terms, some Canadian terms are much different than United, uh, what we use in the United States. So yes, I did start at the Western, um, the University of Western Ontario, um, being a standardized patient there um, and just dabbling in some other little part-time Uh, Jobs in marketing and uh, working for the magazine again uh, online. And then, about a year into that, I was um, able to get another standardized patient position at Fanshawe College. So, both were kind of per diem. Um, And then at Fanshawe, I kind of did a little bit more work of uh, working with simulators and programming them and using some of my um, previous knowledge there um, and doing some. Um, administrative work, like a community newsletter. So I was able to nicely piece two university and college jobs together to kind of be a bit more of like a full-time hours. And then the pandemic hit. So things kind of changed a bit. And then I had a daughter and that changed things even more. But yes, uh, most of my interests like outside of the home are really going to Fanshawe and Western, and just interacting with the students. And it's the same. It feels like home there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's cool. So, and I have so many questions because I, I was thinking, mm-hmm. what did the pandemic do? Not just for your work, but did that mm-hmm. affect your, your travel home here to the yes. US to see your parents? Yes.
1: So we never expected that to ever happen. But um, I didn't see my family for over a year, I think maybe a year and a half. Um, So some big, you know, um, life events happened during that time that I wasn't able to see my family um, only to realize that when I did cross the border, because I was an American, I actually was allowed to cross the whole time. So my husband wouldn't have been able to because he's just Canadian, but I learned that um, although there were strict regulations, especially in the very beginning, I don't think I would have been able to cross through. Um, because I was an American after about a year and a half of the restrictions, um, honestly the the word the phrase that the board of agents said was welcome home. So I was able to go home after a year and a half and at that time my daughter was uh, eight weeks old so.
0: Ah, oh, so she was born. So how old
1: is she now? Then is she about three or four? Uh, so she just turned two. Um, two.
0: I'm sorry. So my math is horrible, obviously, but it feels like this pandemic started in like the 90s. I can't. Really yeah. like
1: it. it's painted so much. So yes, actually, I believe um, that the pandemic was named a pandemic globally on March 11th of 2020, um, and she, she was born March 11th of 2021. So exactly a year into the pandemic, she was um, born. So um, my my family never saw me pregnant. I never, um, we didn't really have a shower or anything. And then I brought her to the US in maybe June of uh, 2021. I I can't really remember, but she was about eight weeks old at that time.
0: I bet that was quite (laughs) the reunion. I'm sure everyone was overjoyed to see you both. Yeah. (laughs) so and what is your daughter's name instead of just saying your daughter <laughs>
1: oh she's uh, madison but we call her maddie she's oh, a maddie for sure
0: <laughs> very cute uh, so let me ask you like how it was before we hit the record button before I mm-hmm. should say I hit it we talked and you said there are similarities obviously but there's differences yes. so I appreciate you sharing the whole process obviously mm-hmm. it's not something you could just do on a whim it does take a lot of paperwork and effort you have to do that mm-hmm. but once you do it you know it seems like it makes things life easier a little bit easier so what would you say some of I'll, I'll ask the the differences first what are some of the biggest differences for you whether it's like health care or mm-hmm. quality of life or or socialization, what are some of the big differences that you feel?
1: Um, I guess the healthcare thing, for sure. Um, having something called OHIP, it's Ontario Health Insurance Plan, where I'm just able to typically go into a doctor's office and have my appointment and walk out and not have to pay a bill. Um, I have had some health issues, while I've been visiting my parents and the thankfully we have had AAA health travel insurance or the bills for just a few hours in an emergency department in the U.S. are could be crippling to someone's financial um, situation. So I think that my husband and I have conversations about that all the time where we recognize that some people here in Canada could have a more casual work situation and do more gig work or take some time off in between jobs because they don't rely so much on the health care that health insurance that is provided sneakily as a job you're still paying for it in your paycheck but it's included in your salary I guess Um, but I think that we've recognized that people could have more just casual and more of a relaxed uh, work environment here rather than um, just being almost hyper over needing a full-time job for health insurance. We see that as a a huge difference um, and we've been on both sides of it. Um, I guess then I would say, I know a lot more people who Um, seem to have more vacation time and holiday time here in Canada than in the US. And it seems that it's a little bit more relaxed there, um, here than there, and taking time off of work. So I think um, those are kind of like the dry topics that are so different. But I think we have some very similar holidays, mostly the religious holidays, but there are some different government holidays that we have. We have a family day here that is um, dedicated to just spending time, I guess, with family and friends and a day to relax in February, I think it is. Um, We have Canada Day, which is different than the 4th of July, but very similar. It's just four days away, you know, uh, July 1 is Canada Day. And July 4th is Independence Day. So some of the holidays line up, but they have different meanings. Um, and Are they blowing stuff up there too? A lot of fireworks? <laughs> no, there's like, I was just about to say, like the fanfare around celebrations is just so uh, much quieter and um, different than what I'm used to in the States. So I really actually enjoy the holidays in the States so much more and look forward to those because it's just what I'm used to, right? And I think just the food and the taste of food is different. Um, Terminology is different. Uh, When I'm speaking to someone in uh, Northeast PA or like to you, I could loosen up my accent a bit and just freely speak and say, you know, and hey, and that type of thing. But here, I think it's a little bit more polished. And um, I do have to adjust the words that I would say to people. I like I use the term vacation to you, but I think here I would say over on holidays. Um, So different things in terms of terminology are different. And people could definitely identify that I am not from Canada at times. They won't admit it from the beginning, but um, there's kind of a funny story of a lady who was helping me um, prepare for my daughter's nursery before she was born. She came in to paint and help a bit because I didn't have any family. Um, Like my, my family wasn't here during the pandemic to help out. So through a friend of a friend, I met this woman and she was great and helped me like steam the curtains and those types of things and get the room ready for my daughter and it's not something that I would say like welcome to my house I'm an American like come on in it was after maybe three or four times of her coming to help out that I said something and she said like I knew from the beginning that something was a little different but I just didn't want to say anything (laughs) so I, I definitely think people um know that just the way you speak and talk um could really just show that you're from somewhere else.
0: <laughs> do you ever find that that's a barrier? Like is, and I mean, I like, again, I think we have a good relationship with Canada, but thanks to politics, I'm sure there are people who might raise an eyebrow. Do you ever find that people question or ask you about life in America or give you like a little bit of a an attitude or do you think it's all pretty much whatever, kind of welcoming?
1: Um, it's It's not an attitude and it's generally welcoming, but I think- um, that they see things on the news. And um, although more Canadians travel to the US than uh, P- Americans travel to Canada, it's very common for Canadians to have vacation down there, or just even cross over for an afternoon to do a bit of shopping. Although they have experience in the States, I think it's more, um, they're more scared of the United States than they should be. But I think when we travel to the US, we're traveling to the suburbs of Scranton and it's very quiet there and we don't see what we see on the news there like the national news I think so um I think people in Canada have a different impression of the United States but they don't uh bring that on to me if if that makes any sense Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's some of the similarities and differences, but how about for you personally, like your everyday Mm -hmm. day-to-day life, life? obviously you have your home with your husband Mm -hmm. and your daughter and you're working. So that seems pretty similar. Do you find (laughs) anything that you've changed about your daily routine that you uh, because of living there, or do you pretty much feel like you're living the same way you might live here?
1: No, um, it's for sure. Very different. And I guess I wasn't prepared for all of that to happen all at once like I I got married I ch- I moved I moved to a different country I moved from like a suburb to slash city area to a rural farm in Canada um, I changed jobs like I just had a bunch of stuff happening all at once so it's hard to say if that didn't all occur in the order that it did how different my life would be but it is very different it's very challenging um something happened and i told my mom i said my, like my life is 40 harder than most people and i thought that she would say like no and she's like it is <laughs> um just to hear me um to cross the border with my daughter to pack my daughter up to visit her grandparents is extremely challenging where I have so many friends in this Granton area who could just put their kids, four or five of them, in their car seats and get to their parents' house in five minutes and that be it. But with me, I have to pack everything up, like I'm going on a week-long vacation. Um, but in addition, I have to have some paperwork stating that my husband is aware she's traveling over the border by herself, like with just one parent. Um, at times I needed to have, um, well, I still need to have our passports at times. I needed to have COVID vaccine, um, proof. I had to have COVID test proof within 72 hours of crossing the border. So I had to, um, really make sure that I timed that correctly, where I would get my results and be able to cross, um, just answering questions at the border. Oh, another thing is making sure that our health insurance, our travel health insurance is up to date and that I bring those cards. And then there have been instances that I've had to, um, now I've written down some urgent care centers that I could bring her to if she were to get something like pink eye or an ear infection while we were away. It just complicates things so much. So I think um, the day-to-day is very different because I went from an office job nine to five to now I'm living on a farm with my husband and doing per diem work. So the day-to-day is a little different for sure, but all at the same time, we still go to work, we still get groceries, we still go to the doctor just like everyone else. But I think it's the traveling and it's the um, trying to keep a connection with my former life that brings on significant challenges.
0: Yeah. All right. Now, are you, so your husband is a farmer. All right. Do you help with that at all? Like, do you ever get involved with the labor side of that? Because that's got to be a hard life you know, just the challenging, I admire like whether Canada, whether the United States, that's not an easy life. Yeah.
1: No. So I'm not involved in it. Um, He does have employees and they're really great people who understand that um, at times we do travel to my family around holidays and they're great in understanding our schedule and just helping out and putting their best foot forward to make our lives a bit easier. But no, I'm not involved in the labor and um, it is quite different than Pennsylvania farming. So it is a very hard life. He does um, have a lot of physical work, very, very long hours. Sometimes 16 hours a day um, for months on end until the planting season occurs or the harvest season. And he basically comes in, cleans up, gets enough sleep to turn around and go back out there and do it. But it is quite different farming than what we would see in Pennsylvania. So there are a lot of technologies and machines that have helped him uh, be a more uh, successful and, um competent farmer like better use of time, but it is it is quite challenging and it does like the farm does affect my life. Um, even though I don't work for it, it his schedule, his responsibilities um, definitely uh bleed into our family life. And there's no doubt about it that it is extremely challenging.
0: Does he do a certain kind of like uh, foods or is it a variety?
1: So it's actually not for consumption. It's, uh, he's a grain farmer. So um, there's three types of crops that he focuses on. It's corn, soybeans, and it's called winter wheat because it's planted in the winter. It dies in the, well, planted in the fall, dies in the winter, and then comes back up in the spring and is harvested in the summer. So, Um, There are a couple of different harvest times and um, really busy seasons, but thankfully there's some really nice downtime that we can relax and go on vacation and do those types of things. But um, yeah, it's not for consumption. So um, just recently last year, I saw a farming federation put up some signs along some of the fields um, of other farmers explaining what those products would um what those ingredients would be used for certain products. So things like um the powder in diapers or flour, it's not for immediate consumption. It's used it's more of like a byproduct. Um, uh, so it's it's that type of farming. Okay. All
0: right. What's but right. still uh, still a challenging <laughs> uh hardworking uh yeah. position a career. Yeah.
1: It's up to, to Mother Nature most of the time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: yeah, <the> <laughs> and I'm sorry and a little bit of science. Yeah. A little bit of science. Yeah. And we
0: can't control mother nature with the the weather is wow. That is quite the challenging, uh, unpredictable, uh, factor, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, um, so I, those are pretty much all the highlights that I had for you. I think, um, Are you, uh, I guess the other question I just had is that you see yourself, because obviously you have a life there and for your, Mm -hmm. your husband has a business there. So I would think your plan for the long haul for the most part is to stay in Canada. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) I think so. But like I would say, never say never, because I would have never expected myself to ever move to Canada in the first place. So I think life circumstances can change significantly. Um, a lot of things and situations have occurred since we did get married and we and I did move here and we started a whole life and family together. Um, So really, uh, the plan is yes to stay, but the plan is also to work a little bit more toward um, splitting our time um, between the U.S. and here. And and that makes it um, as devastating as COVID was for a lot of people. We were really blessed to not have too many people affected by it in our life. And um, we did use that time just to reevaluate like what's important to us and how we're going to live our life and um, things that we goals that we set for 20 years from now we were able to accomplish in two. So we really refined the way we used our time and pushed some goals and realized that When my daughter does go to school full time, um, she will have some breaks, like March break is a big thing in Ontario this summer. And that we really just want to, I want to align my career to be able to be able to do it wherever I I need to so that she could um, get to know cousins in the US a bit more and um, maybe just streamline our life to be functional. from anywhere, which we have been able to do One funny thing that I should add is that um, we have something called Skip the Dishes, which is kind of, uh, well, very similar to Uber Eats in the US. Not sure how big it is in Scranton right now, but I could literally be sitting in uh, Northeast PA on my phone and order my husband dinner and have it delivered to a tractor in a field in a different country. So that is how we've made working working, enjoying life, spending time with family. That's how we've had to make it work.
0: Wow. That's, (laughs) that's pretty wild. I guess with, with all these different advances, I mean, sometimes I worry about AI, like taking over Mm -hmm. jobs and things like that, but it's technology like that, that does help make your life easier. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. That's pretty cool. So you will be splitting and spending a lot of time so that you'll get to see your family here as well. And so obviously they'll get to see their granddaughter, which is really important. I'm sure.
1: Yes. Yeah. I think so. She just turned two. So she's technically 24 months old, if you want to look at it that way. And I think she's been to the U.S. about 24 times. Oh my gosh. (laughs) uh, Once a month or more than that, we have gone um, ever since she was two months old. But When you don't see your family um, for a chunk of time during some of the happiest and some of the most devastating times of your life, you then make it work when you can.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah. And I'm sure, as you said, with the pandemic, you reevaluated and you thought of what's important and how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, is there anything else? Like I said, I think those were all the questions that I had for you. Um, one question I'm thinking, and I don't want to go back to to work and process and, and have mm-hmm. you go through all that. But so if if someone wanted to work, let's say that they had a remote kind of job, would they still mm-hmm. have to go through all that if their employer was like, let's say in America, but they were allowed to work remotely? Do they still need to go through all of that process to be able to be like residing or like staying in Canada but doing a job that's actually technically for someone in the U.S.
1: Yeah, I think they would, uh, they would, it's very different. Every person that I have spoken to about um, immigration here has come in a different route. Uh, they may have come as an employee. They may have come with the employer sponsored visa. They may have come as a family member. So there's so many different routes and I really can't um, comment on that, but I know uh, for sure to reside here, you would have, um have to go through all of that paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe um, they would still be able to do that remote job in the U.S. They would have to pay taxes to both, well, not pay taxes, but file taxes in both the United States and Canada. Two accountants will talk it out. You'll get a tax credit in one country, have to pay in the other. It's very, very complicated. So um, I would say Just do everything the right way. Uh, Do do your research, Um, but also, if possible, to hire professionals, because that is how I was able to get here. So flawlessly, although it was lengthy and time consuming, um, hiring people who know the process is probably your best bet, because I think a mistake would be just as costly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that (laughs) makes sense because obviously that's, they know that the process they can help you as opposed to, you know, if you do it wrong and now you've got a setback. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything else in closing that you would like to add or you would like to say, whether it's about this transition to Canada or anything that we didn't touch upon?
1: Um, No, just maybe to encourage people to take a day drive up to niagara falls and spend the night and um see beautiful western uh western new york i i do want to make more stops along the way into some of those towns in new york that we just drive by so quickly so i would encourage people to make their way north rather than south in the summer
0: yeah hey (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Hey, I I don't need to be uh, uh, sold on that. I love it. I think it's. I mean, even just from seeing different parts of Canada, like I'd love to see Vancouver someday. Like some of the farther out, like when you see in in films uh, when they've shot in Canada, how beautiful it looks. Like and, and honestly, when you're talking about uh, the July holiday, that's more low key. I'm like, uh, you're talking my language. I am not a fan of all the noise and the the smoke and the the litter left over from the the fireworks. So I'm like, yeah, I think I might want to spend in Canada (laughs) yeah
1: so you just mentioned uh two things maybe that I could comment on is that um where I live just five minutes from the town of Port Stanley um it does actually resemble the Bethany seashores we have a beach a white sandy beach not white white but um people go swimming people go sailing ski doing boating sailing Um, It's a harbor town that was once um, very productive, but now it's more of a resort area where we have a ton of um, tourists come, the population doubles every weekend in the summer and there's a lot to do. Um, And there are a lot of, um, the film industry is coming to our area a lot more. And I think just last summer, there was at least two or three um, movies um, some Netflix series uh, filmed there. And, and that kind of gets a little exciting. So those those are some surprising things that just happen. a five minute drive from my house.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's really neat. Yeah. I mean, it is so beautiful. Yeah. That's, I could see why they put it in films. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so, very yeah. cool.
1: So I I'm think so- that that's all I could kind of think about at um, to contribute, but for sure there are differences, but at the end of the day, we all put our head down and sleep.
0: And- <laughs> <laughs> that You're right about that, right? No, where you're, no matter where you're setting your head. Well, now, obviously for some people, it's more challenging depending some people live in more luxury, but still at the end of the day, you, you know, you're setting your head down to sleep and you know, you're, you're left with your own thoughts and your own vices and everything else, no matter where you live. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. So I'm so glad that you were able to talk with us. Cause again, I know it's, it's funny. It's like, it's a international, but it's Canada. So it is close, yeah. but still there are, you know, obviously differences in the process you had to go through is, is interesting to me. And like, you know, you have this extra challenge, like you said, to the time to get your, your daughter ready for a longer road trip. Uh, a little more complicated than a lot of people have to do to take their, their children to see their grandparents. So uh, yeah. So, so I just wanted people to gain perspective on that and, you know, if they're ever thinking about that, but also to remember, like you said, to go visit and check out what's up North. Yeah. Very cool. Sure. Well, have I, safe, I'm, go- I'm sorry. Go I ahead. I want to
1: add one thing. My, uh, my brother-in-law once asked me if I ever said a, yeah, like a, and I <laughs> said, no. And then I said, yes only when I'm having an argument with someone in my, in my own thoughts, right? Like, like, I want to say like, what were you thinking? A, right? Like, I, but I've never said it out loud yet. So I almost just said it when I said for sure, because that's definitely a Canadian phrase is for sure. And then I almost followed up with saying A, but I've only said it in like, you know, in my own brain.
0: Do you hear a lot of people
1: say A? A, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I because of course, we're thinking of that Christmas song, you know, and the toques, yes. people wearing yeah. toques and saying, hey, eh?
1: yes, no one would know what I would say when I would, no one really knows what I would, what I mean when I'm talking about a toque down there. But up here, if I said hat, they would wonder what I was talking about as well. So for sure is a phrase that I've picked up on. It's very similar to the way uh, the Northeast PA people say like you know. <laughs> so. Yeah,
0: like Haina or no. Yeah. <laughs> well, and every place has their colloquialisms, and I'm sure that takes a little time to get used to also and to understand, like anywhere, <laughs> any you know, different community having to understand uh certain phrases or you know mm-hmm. lo- colloquialisms that you're like, okay, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> There's been a lot, but I'm getting there.
0: Well, you're there a while now. So you're you're pretty much a regular, right? You're Canadian and an American, we should say. Yes. 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 All right. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. It's such a pleasure to see you. And I love the fact that your dollhouse is still in progress. And now your daughter, Maddie, can take over and learn from her mama. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, it's a great little sentimental piece of my life back home and Um, Just I want her to have uh, experience what my husband's childhood was like and mine. And it's been a good mix.
0: Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. That's great. So thank you so much for making the time again and for sharing everything. I really do appreciate it. And for my listeners, I say, as always, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and remember to subscribe and share the podcast. And even if you didn't enjoy it, please share it because someone else might enjoy it. Uh, But no, I always say, I really do thank you so much for listening, Um, I do. And uh, listen to the coming weeks, we'll be having all different guests. Uh, We'll be talking about humor. And then May is Mental Health Awareness Month and the value of humor for self-care and for uh, helping people who are going through, whether it's serious or mental health issues or everyday stressors, humor can be a resource. So we'll be tackling that issue, uh, to, uh, in, in the coming weeks. And, uh, I hope you'll tune in. So thank you so much. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass.